Well, good morning and greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be here with you this morning. I bring greetings from the uh, Pequay congregation in uh, Narvon there. And um, so I was thinking about coming to preach at Mine Road. I was thinking about connections and people I know here. And uh, there are several. And I've been uh, blessed and encouraged by uh, those who I've gotten to know here over the last several years. We've also at Pequay been uh, blessed to have several from here uh, join us there, and uh, they've been a blessing. Uh, one of those from here is now serving on the ministry team there, and uh, it is uh, a great privilege to serve alongside of Matt there on the ministry team at Pequay. So in that way, we have some connections here, and many uh, years ago, we've got to know Roman and Fanny some, and uh, it's also been a privilege to have gotten to know them. Maybe a bit of a distant relation with, uh, with Fanny. <clears throat> okay, so for my topic, I've been uh, assigned to preach on avoiding occult and pagan influences. Avoiding occult and pagan influences. So I didn't get to choose this topic. Um, this was assigned to me, and as I was started to think about this, I said, hmm, maybe I should have chosen my topic. But I am grateful for this privilege, though, to have uh, had time now to study and to look into um, the occult and pagan influences. And um, I just have a question for you before we get started here, and I wouldn't mind if you all would respond in some way. Um, to this question. Maybe you don't have anything to say to it, and that's okay too. But um, as I think about the thing of avoiding a cult and pagan influences, I, I think I understand what a cult is, right? But I wasn't so sure if I understood exactly what pagan means. And so I'd like to invite you all to speak into this. If I were to ask you this morning, just off the cuff, what is paganism? What would be your response? that devil worshipers culture void of God that's I think these are appropriate responses to that question and you know, probably the first thing I thought about as I thought about paganism, I thought, well, you know, these Harley guys that wear the, the big um, leather jackets and on the back they have a symbol and then it says pagan. Well, what does that mean? I've seen it many times. I've seen, interact or I don't know, interacted, but I saw the, the jackets and the symbol and the word. And I thought, well, I, I don't know what that means. I was never, didn't ever consider myself to be a pagan and don't have much uh, connection to it. And yet, I think as we look at the term paganism, somebody said here, a culture devoid of God, or a culture that is, has an absence of the true God, you could say. And as Christians, we look at society around us and it doesn't take long for us to see the effect of pagan influences around us. And basically, you could say, all that is wrong in the world is a result of paganism. 
And the head of this pagan society, he has an agenda and a plan. He is intent on conquering and dividing. That is his strategy. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 and 3, uh, verse 3. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So it is possible, I believe, for us to have the influence, pagan influences influence us to the point where we could uh, be beguiled as Eve was. I have four things I want to consider in the message here this morning. Paganism, what is it? Number two, um, I should maybe say this as well. Along with the assigned topic, there was some subpoints that came along with it. And one of those was explore the, or uh, look at the idea of pagan holidays, such as Halloween. And uh, there's others, but for the sake of time, I can't, I couldn't get too broad with this. And so Halloween, and if we have time, we'll get into some, some yoga and Eastern mysticism. And then also the Christian's response. What should we do with this? I may also say, um, at Peckway, we have a clock in the back and not one in the front. So I know I have a limited amount of time here, and I'll try to make it within the uh, time period. You all have a little more accountability. You can hold the preacher accountable. And yeah, it's a good thing. All right, paganism, what is it? What is the definition of paganism? It is a polytheistic or pantheistic nature-worshipping religion. Does that help you out? It is a polytheistic or pantheistic nature-worshipping religion. Polytheistic. What is a polytheistic religion? Relating to or characterized by belief in or worship of more than one God. Relating to or characterized by belief in or worship of more than one God. So polytheism has the idea of there being many gods. And you can pick and choose. And there's a whole, like a smorgasbord, if you will, of gods. And you can pick and choose. And each one has its place. Polytheistic. And as we think about polytheistic, um, here in, in, in our setting, in our culture that we're living in, uh, we're probably not faced with so much of the Eastern mysticism and some of the other occults, if you will, as you were if you were living in, uh, in an Eastern country such as India or, or other countries that practice more of the uh, pagan religions. So what do we do with this? We're not familiar with it. I have no exposure to Eastern mysticism. But I'm proposing this morning that there is another, um, there is another uh, aspect of, uh, will you say, ungodliness or a uh, worship that fits into this that we're quite familiar with right here in our culture today. I'm proposing that atheism and humanism fit into this category. And I'm proposing this because in humanism, what self thinks becomes the supreme authority. Okay, so what you think 
about a certain matter is really what matters, right? <clears throat> Thus making self a god. So polytheism, many gods, what we're familiar with in this culture, at least what, I, what resonates with me, is the idea of atheism and uh, the idea of no god at all, but then to become a god of self. And uh, we'll, we'll explore that idea a little more as we go along here. So the second portion of paganism, what is it? It's polytheistic or pantheistic. So what is pantheistic? That is the belief that God and the world are ultimately identical and that all is God. Okay? That is the belief that God and the world are ultimately identical and that all is God. So in short, you could say that the benches that you're sitting on this morning are in essence a part of God because they come from a tree. And so that affects everything the way you think about who God is. Two points on this. A doctrine which identifies God with the universe or regards the universe as a manifestation of God. Let me read that last portion again. It identifies God with the universe as a manifestation of God. So then, a mouse or a dog or a cat or a cow or a tree or the list could go on, somehow is a manifestation of God himself. So then how you treat those things becomes very interconnected with your view of who God is. And I think pantheism would primarily come through in Eastern mysticism. And again, we'll maybe look at some of that in yoga practices, but I don't think I'm going to have time to cover uh, all of this that is packed into this subject. <clears throat> Paganism, I believe, is expressed in mythological religions, witchcraft, Eastern religions, and all of the Eastern religions pretty well practice yoga, uh, ancestor worship, nature worship. And I like to suggest again here, nature worship, I think, includes evolution and atheism. Because evolution and atheism really see the universe as all that there is. <clears throat> if you boil this all down, polytheism, pantheism, uh, atheism, all the other theisms that are not uh, God, I believe if you boiled that all down, you could say, in our day, there is a battle. And the battle really is between two forces. There really are, I believe, only two religions if you boil it all down. Um, you can get into all the Eastern mysticism and all of that. But at, if you boil it all down, what it comes down to, it's really only two religions in the world. The first one, we have what is viewed as theistic. A theistic view is a belief in one God and not many. And I know there's some religions that would claim to be theistic. Um, but I'm suggesting this morning Christianity is the only true theistic uh, religion. 
God is the authority. And since God is in the authority, the theistic view affects us very directly. The theist believes that every object in the natural world exists because God creates and conserves that object. Every finite thing has the character of being dependent upon God. That is what a theist believes. He believes that every object in the natural world exists because God creates and conserves that object. God as creator, God as sustainer. The second primary view is man as the authority. All the other religions are man's ideas. The term atheist, for example, describes a person who does not believe that God or a divine being exists. And worldwide, there may be as many as a billion atheists. Let's let's look for just a moment here in a broad sense uh, the battle between Christianity and paganism. Paganism, at its core is rebellion against God with Satan as its head. In Ezekiel 28:15 through verse 17 says this, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created until iniquity was found in thee. Why? Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. It was Satan's incredible pride that led him to rebel against God. He refused to accept the fact that all he was came from God. And as his pride grew, he determined to take over God's kingdom. And in essence, he started a war he could never win. But his intent is to take as many people with him as he can. Satan was, after all, the wisest and most beautiful creature ever created. But he can only go as far and do as much as God allows. Despite the fact that Satan was given the most privileged position of any created being, he made a horrible choice to rebel against God. And ultimately, the devil plunged all of creation in a deadly battle. God then threw Satan out of heaven, stripped him of his position of authority, and because of Satan's great hatred toward, toward God, he has bent on creating havoc and taking as many people with him as he can. And I believe we should be aware of Satan's schemes and plan to deceive God's people. He will do all he can to keep unbelievers from surrendering their lives to Jesus. He really doesn't mind how that happens, whether through false teachers, humanism, other religions, or radical ungodliness. He doesn't mind. He's here to divide and to conquer. Satan's plan for Christians is to keep them from growing in the strength and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't mind how he does this, His agenda is also to keep Christians from sharing their faith with others. And I've appreciated what uh, our brother uh, Gideon shared with us here this morning. 
Um, I was a Gideon for just a short period of time before we were ordained, and then I needed to decide on what do I do with all the, the opportunities I have in front of me. And so we uh, decided not to anymore. <clears throat> I'm suggesting this morning Satan is the author of all paganism. And with that, he is a responsible party for the origin of things like pornography, abortion, and homosexuality, and others. Satan is quite happy with things like war and the horrible atrocities committed by world leaders. Let's look at this term humanism for just a bit here. Humanism, in a broad sense, is man's ideas superseding God and his word. And there are a lot of forms of it. Humanism. The definition of the word humanism found in Webster's says devotion to humans. What does that sound like? Devotion to humans. So if we have humanism, we know it's all around us. Devotion to humans. And so if you feel a certain way and you feel like, you know, I don't, I don't belong in the sex that God has created me and somehow I need to identify with the other party or identify with none, well then that must be my choice. Because ultimately I am in charge of myself. It's humanism. Devotion to humans. Then, lest I am stripped of my humanism, you also need to agree with whatever I think about myself. That is devotion to humans, humanism. And I believe, at its very core, it is paganism. It is paganism. Humanism, I believe, has directly affected us here in our culture where we live, the people we interact with on a regular basis. Humanism has directly impacted us there. Humanism we encounter today is an evolutionary, atheistic worldview. Homosexuality is embraced and celebrated. And another movement that has come, which is just, this summer we were down at the, uh, for the first time we had taken the opportunity to go to uh, the Ark Encounter. And as we got to the Ark Encounter, I don't know how, how many of you all have been there, you go take the bus ride over to get to the uh, Ark. And when you step off the bus, there's a, a building there. And then as you walk over towards the Ark, over towards the right, there's a big Ark. And has a big rainbow. And I found myself as I stepped off the bus and we were, got our children together and we said, all right, let's go over to the ark. And I looked. What was the first thing that came to my mind, you think, when I saw the rainbow? I wish it was that. I wish it was that. It actually wasn't. That wasn't the first thing I thought about. And it grieved me that it is that way. And it even somewhat angered me. See, paganism has taken what God has seen as a promise. And they've defiled it. And um, so I mustered up the courage and said, you know what? We're going to take a picture right here. 
This is God's promise. This is not a a uh, this is not a negative thing. Okay, we've allowed it to become that because that's what the culture impresses upon us. And so we lined up and we took a picture. I'm quite proud of that picture today. But the first, my very first thought was not God's promise. And I'm, of course, it's a part of that. But as I looked at it, I said, oh, no. No, that's not what it is. Unfortunate. Very unfortunate what has happened there with paganism. <clears throat> Another thing as a result of abortion is uh, of paganism and uh, the modern humanistic uh, humanism is abortion and murdering innocent and vulnerable babies. And, um, you know, we, we applaud our government for making the, uh, the, the recent decision for reversing some of that. But reality is it's still within the hearts of the people. You cannot legislate these things. So what happens when you mix paganism with Christianity? Well, one of the things that happens, you end up with millions of years instead of six days. They tear out the first page of the Bible and say, well, you know what? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. <clears throat> you end up with divorce and remarriage. Because, after all, what I think about this is really important. You know, humanism, my rights, what is important to me, what is most important. <clears throat> you end up with homosexual lay members and pastors, potentially. What really is at the core of humanism is self being put on the throne. This is the natural outworking of paganism creeping into the church, and Satan is quite okay with it happening under the disguise of Christianity. Passage that Brother Alvin read here this morning, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we see all those things in paganism. The list goes on. And as I was preparing for this, I said, where, how broad and how narrow, right? So uh, I've compiled some data here in Halloween. I believe that is the most practical and maybe closely connected pagan holiday that we are familiar with. It's all around us. Um, I believe out of paganism then comes occultic practices and pagan holidays. So Halloween. Is it just me or has it in the last five years maybe? Has the decorations increased? in Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart and all that. Yeah, I think just recently the Walmart in Morgantown, I walked in and uh, like, whoa, I mean the whole front portion, it just loads of Halloween decorations. And I'm not talking about fall decorations, right? There's a difference there. Fall decorations are fine. Some corn shocks and some pumpkins and all that. 
Absolutely. But this horrific display of ungodliness is unreal. I, I just couldn't believe it. Halloween brings several things into focus. Jack-o'-lanterns, ghosts, cemeteries in the yard, skeletons on the front porch, field of screams. You see the signs going down the road with an ugly character on the sign. And then you see field of screams and there's some more. It, and it's repulsive to me. I look at it and say, you know, how would somebody even participate in something like that? Ugly billboards and the list goes on. And again, I don't think we should, we should um, confuse fall decorations and Halloween. Two different things. How did Halloween start? Halloween had its origins several, several thousand years ago with the Celts. Are you all familiar with the Celtics? The Celtics came from Ireland, which is really where Halloween started, over in that part of the world. So the Celts, in its early conception, people believed that life itself was coming to an end, not just the year. They imagined that the night was haunted by ghosts, witches, and spirits of the dead. They imagined that the night was filled with dangers and omens. Concerned for their survival, they often lit large bonfires and made gruesome sacrifices, and sometimes even human sacrifices. This was paganism. The early Catholic Church then, interestingly, adapted this paganism into their rituals. What they decided to do is they would bring in the Catholic specifically Catholicism here we're looking at, they decided they would uh, make their own celebration on that day, which unfortunately turned, became, eventually over time, became interconnected with the church. In AD 300 to 400, St. Patrick was influ influential in incorporating the pagan practices and holidays with Christianity, or maybe more accurately you could say Catholicism. And much could be said about this. I don't have time to go into that. Even after Christianity had succeeded in suppressing these pagan holidays, they took an, on a new meaning. Okay, so Christianity in, its, um, in the Reformation period especially, during that time, um, the, the church was in a big revival. And so this holiday in particular was one that got suppressed quite a bit during that time. But they took on a new meaning and turned it into a night of jubilee. So they said, well, you know, we're going to have an alternative. So they turned it into a night of jubilee. By the late 1970s, there was a great resurgence of Halloween adult activities. In the last two decades, it has exploded in the United States as a national, highly com commercialized holiday. This year, over 200 million people in the U.S. will celebrate Halloween. The total population in the U.S. is about 332 million. This last year, in 2021, uh, total spend on Halloween was $10.1 billion. Stores gear up for this holiday, as we know. We just step inside the doors and we can see it right in front of us. Since 2005, though, it has increased drastically. 
2005, the total spend was $3.1 billion. 2021, $10.1 billion. 2021, $3.3 billion was spent on costumes, and Halloween candy spent in 2021 was $3 billion. Has become majorly commercialized. Paganism, Halloween, ungodliness, humanism. What are we to do? What is the Christian to do with all this? You go down the road. Um, last year, <laughs> it, my wife and I, we this occasional, we go on a walk, and we're walking down the road, and um, over the Hall- Halloween season, and yeah, there's decorations out here and there. This one here struck me the most. Um, we're walking down the road, and just off the left, just off the road by, I'd say, maybe five feet, um, there was a skeleton hand, two skeleton hands that were stuck into the ground, and two skeleton feet that were stuck in the ground also at about an opposite place. And I looked at it, and I said, well, so why would you celebrate death? What what is like that's ugly. Why celebrate death? We celebrate life, do we not, as Christians? Absolutely. We're not afraid of death, but we don't celebrate it. It's a part of the curse. It's a part of sin. Why celebrate death? That is paganism. Paganism, they cannot celebrate life because there is no life for the pagan. Christianity, we have life and life everlasting. and We can celebrate that. What then is a Christian to do? One thing for certain is that we have an advocate. Jesus is our advocate. And he is triumphant over sin and death and even over Satan himself. Colossians 2.15 And having spoiled, he has spoiled the principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. We know that we are on the winning side, friends. Revelations 20.10 If you're a Christian, you can know for sure you're on the winning side. We're going to win in the end. And the devil that deceived him was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. God has also equipped us with all we need to withstand the attacks of the enemy, even during times of oppression when we might feel the oppression of the culture around us. Ephesians 6, the armor of God. James 4, 7. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What is a Christian's response? It is important for us to go to the Bible for our source of info for these events. While there are no chapter or verses that specifically mention jack-o'-lanterns or trick-or-treating or costume parties or yoga exercises, yet there are solid principles 
which, if properly applied, can enable us to respond to these issues in a way that pleases God and is, set, is positive for our families. Evil is pervasive in our society today. Some people try to get as close to the fire as they can without getting burned. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. God is very clear in his word, avoid every kind of evil. You know, when I was first assigned this topic and I looked at it and said, avoiding occult and pagan, paganism. And I said, is that possible? Is it possible to avoid it? If we're living among people that are in it. So I submit to you. In one sense, Christians cannot avoid all evil any more than a boat avoid all water. Our culture is permeated by evil. It is all around us. Our tendency is to become desensitized by evil and its influences, paganism. And so, I think we should be aware of the battle. Do not become complacent to the things that are around us. It is possible we see these things so many times and so often that we become kind of um, calloused to what's going on. Be aware. Do not become complacent to the things around us. It is said that Halloween is the highest of holy days among saintness. And many gruesome and evil practices happen on Halloween. And I had to think, I, I don't doubt that those, the, the, um, those who were captive in Haiti would have a closer understanding of what I'm talking about this morning than even I do. I have no experience head-on with Satanism. But I believe they faced it there from what I've understood. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Here's the key. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in the brethren that are in the world. I believe our, res- our responsibility in this culture of paganism that we are in today that's maybe this can be a part, a part of discussion for you all this afternoon I can't get into it now is the United States Christian or is it pagan I'll let you discuss that around your family the supper table or afternoon lunch okay? you think about that are we pagan as a nation or are we a Christian nation Our responsibility is to resist and stand firm. What's really important is that when the battle is over and the smoke clears, we are found standing true to Jesus. Ultimately, it all comes down to being careful not to compromise biblical principles in our lives as we respond to the issues in our contemporary culture. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether ye eat or drink or whatever you do, 
doing it all for the glory of God. And I believe this is the supreme test for every believer. The Lord must so permeate our lives that all we do is for his glory. Even the mundane things like eating and drinking, according to this passage. Even the most mundane and routine things in life. His glory is to be our life commitment. Because we have been bought with a price. In closing, I'll leave this verse with you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Let's kneel together and pray. Father, we are grateful that we can be your sons and daughters. Thank you for the provision of salvation through your son. And uh, as we think about the upcoming holidays that will be here in our midst, I pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding as we respond to the cultural issues of our day. Help us, Lord, to be the salt and the light that you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank <clears throat> you.